Thank you for listening to Pastoring on Purpose. Welcome to Pastoring on Purpose. This is Dr. Tim Manis. I am the Pastoral Care, Spirit Care Director here at Ministerial Care. And uh, thanks for being with us. To my left, Raymond Culpepper II, our Restoration Director. Raymond, what have you been up to, man? Just say hello to everybody that's listening right now. Hello. Uh, staying with it, staying busy, uh, you know, working and trying to do the, the kids and school thing with the football and the band and the wrestling and all the rest of it, uh, instruments, yeah. do a million things, so always busy. What instrument does uh, your son play? Beck plays the, I think it's called a sousaphone. It's the really big oh, yeah. horn that you see and you think, <laughs> who plays that? My kid <laughs> is one of those kids that plays that. The other one plays uh, guitar, drums, uh, and the snare in the band. Okay. Okay. Very cool. So I know this is a busy time for you. My kids are, are busy as well. Jeff, Dr. Jeff Sargent, the professor, is with us as well. Jeff, say hello, and how are things going at Lee? They are going really well. We're in the middle of a semester as, uh, as this recording's taking place. Other things going on in my life is I'm still in the midst of an identity acceptance. Uh, my daughter had a child about a year ago, and uh, she's wonderful. Uh, that's not the problem. The problem is accepting the new identity of being grandfather, all right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Although the white beard is an indication that I am that old, uh, you know, internally just not accepting that. So maybe you and I need to talk outside of here. Maybe you can help me through this identity change. What does she call you? She calls me Grand Dude. Grand Dude. Not my call. That's, that's what uh, the kids said that they wanted me to be called. So and it, she'll probably be about 14 when she can say Grand Dude. Yeah, yeah. To say. You know, you haven't went out and bought like a sports car or I have anything not. like that, dyed your hair. Okay. No, just make sure. Don't do it. No, I just hang on to whatever I still have. Yeah, my hair. If, if you come back and your your beard is completely black. Um, <laughs> or pull up in the sports car. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have to talk. Yes. I'm, I'm yeah. liking, if you, for those of you listening, he's wearing the coral shirt here. It's looking very uh, loud. So I like now that. Now we're being really descriptive. Yes. Yes. My yes. Loud shirt. Yes. All right. And then to the main event, um, it's, it's an honor to have have uh, Cam and Whitney Jones with us today. Cam and Whitney Jones are currently the student ministries pastor at North Cleveland Church of God. Uh, Some of you uh, may have heard of that little church uh, out there in Cleveland, Tennessee. As a couple, they have been involved in student and church ministry for 15 years. They have developed several ministries designed for discipleship, leadership growth, service, outreach, community among students, and leaders that serve the students in the church, and they do have three daughters, uh, Blakely, Presley, and Kenley. And so let me say uh, welcome. It's an honor to have both of you with us today. Welcome to Pastoring on Purpose. Yeah, it's so good to be here and honored to be a part of this. What you guys are doing is amazing and a subject we love, care about, have given our lives to. And uh, maybe uh, we didn't know all we were getting into, but here we are 15 years later together, 20 years for me personally. So just an awesome subject that's needed. Uh, Students matter, young people, generations matter, all generations matter, but this is one that we've devoted ourselves to. And so we're excited to talk about it today. So thank you. You're welcome. And let me just say this, we were talking a little bit before we actually went on live, kind of give us a background of where you all 
were at before you came to North Cleveland. Um, I know you were in Middletown for, is it Middletown? Is that how you pronounce yeah. it? Okay. Yes. I want to yes. make sure I get it right. Yeah, it is Middletown, it. Okay. Ohio, the great state. Yes. Okay. I uh, don't want to get any hate mail, but uh, kind of give us a background of where you all did there and a little bit about your ministry before you came to Cleveland. Yeah, and, and I, my wife's journey is a little bit different, how God brought us together. But my dad's a pastor, so we were, I was born in Arizona and then moved to Oklahoma when I was 12. And so basically Oklahoma's kind of considered home, and uh, that's where I met my bride. I am from Pryor, Oklahoma, just a real small rural um, town. Um, was raised in a church of God there and went to the University of Oklahoma, started going to Southern Hills Church of God in Oklahoma City. So that is at the time he was um, the youth pastor there. So that's kind of how our story began. We met um, in church, kind of at his first church. Yeah, we served there, uh, Southern Hills. Uh, I was there 10 years and and ultimately Whitney, we met while I was there. And then we ended up in Middletown, Ohio, Stratford Heights Church of God, served Mm -hmm. there for seven years. And so we've been here at North Cleveland for uh, almost two years now. It'll be two years in February. So here we are. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you're here. And I have to ask this question because, Whitney, on your bio, it says that you were a biology major. Is that correct? Yes. What led you into becoming a – Just I don't know why it stuck out to me, but what, what, what made you want to become a biology major? I just have always loved science. I still love science and math Um, to this day. I did not use that degree. I was a marketing analyst. Still got to use a little bit of the math, but I just have always had a love love for, for science. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, that is our introduction, and so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll get right into the interview to our topic uh, right after this. Pastoring on Purpose is a production of the Center for Ministerial Care, a ministry of the Church of God. Ministerial Care provides counseling services for Church of God ministers and offers those resources to our leaders free of charge. If you're a pastor in the Church of God who would benefit from a fresh, healthy perspective on life, leading, or following the Lord's call, or know someone who is, please visit www.centerforministerialcare.com. Welcome back, and uh, we're going to talk about our topic now and... uh, you know, obviously that topic is bridging the generational gap uh, with Gen Z and, and to Pastor Cam and uh, Whitney. Um, kind of give us an idea about this generation that's coming up. I, there's a lot of talk on how we can communicate and relate to this different generation. Um, I think it's scary for a lot of us that it may be older, that it's hard for us to relate to, to understand. Uh, give us an idea of what some similarities are about this generation and what really sticks out to you to be different about this generation. Yeah, so, you know, I've I've been able to be ministering or or been ministering to students for 20 years myself, like we said, and there is some distinct changes that I've noticed in in young people and specifically for my generation it's only it's only natural normal for culture to change like it has and i'm, I'm sure everybody that's listening or will listen their context is going to be different um, but the context that i've been in is the culture's changed dramatically morally it's changed socially um, it's changed in, in so many ways, you know, politically it's, it's changed. And so naturally any, any great change in culture is going to affect um, who raises, our kids are raised in that culture, you know, that we've created really essentially. 
And so, um, so there, there is some very distinct differences I've noticed in kids that we minister to in this age bracket today, as opposed to maybe when I started and, and therefore, uh, one of those things I think is huge is they are so different socially. And of course the introduction of social media, not just as a thing, but the thing, the driving force for, um, socializing in their lives, you know, has, has affected them dramatically and, and not just, not just technology, even though technology has had just a, an incredible effect on them uh, socially, but also just, um, just how everything in culture is affecting them emotionally too. They process things differently, uh, than when I first started, there's a, a dramatic difference in how, um, they may break down something you're said or their feelings or emotions and, and, you know, and that's a whole discussion in and of itself, but it is, if we're just pointing out differences, um, those are, are definitely unique to this generation compared to generations uh, in the past. Now, um, like we'll talk about, I'm sure here in a minute, um, their needs have not changed. Um, and that's what I love about the Lord and God's word is God's word is timeless mm-hmm. and uh, applying God's word um, to ministering to the needs that they have. The Lord points out needs and how to meet those needs. And if you can get through all of those other things and not be discouraged, uh, I still find that um, the Lord's still meeting needs. He's still meeting kids where they are, and he's still doing amazing things in their lives. You know, So there is some differences there, but, but the eternal work of the Word still leads us through that, you know, to, to minister to people today right where they are. For sure, this it's hard to talk about this generation without talking about this digital age. You know, this is the first generation that knows the world with only, you know, the internet. They don't have memories of the world without the internet. I mean, most kids, you know, they learn to swipe before they learn to speak. You know, our own kids, you know, included, you know, they, they live in this app world, you know, this really shortened, you know, very high-speed world. So they do, they process things different. Um, They react different. They respond different. Um, But like Cam said, I think one thing we have noticed is deep down inside, their needs are are the same. Um, You know, maybe we have to adjust um, some things, but but the needs are the same, and it's still the same God um, that meets needs. Maybe the giant is a little bit different, you know, than giants that we face, but it's it's the same God. Yes, it may look different on the surface, but at the heart of it, these are human beings that God created, and His Word is timeless. And so do you think sometimes we go a little overboard to try to connect in certain ways that may miss the point that really causes us to maybe even disconnect? Uh, maybe we think certain things are, are more important than others. You know, I don't want to go into the, like the skinny jeans and, you know, making sure we look a certain look. Is is all of that really that important? Or it, to me, it seems like the authenticity is really key to this this generation because they can tell very quickly. Yeah. Um, they're very smart, whether you're being authentic or if you're being fake. What do you yeah. all think? Yeah, I agree 100% that authenticity is still... Um, what drives them. It's still what they look to. They, they can smell an actor a mile away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and some of the, the gloom and doom research that we found about generations leaving church, um, there's so much conversation that, that we, we've had internally. And, and, and that's good because um, we need to look at you know, how we do ministry because they look past the veil of what we're presenting to yeah. what 
um, is, is real, and they they can they can smell um, if something's off, you know, and they, they are very attuned to that. So I agree. I, I'm I'm just I'm I'm a person that I think for 20 years of doing youth ministry in one capacity or another, I think it's been kind of shoved uh, down our throat that we have to have the right style and you have to have the right lights and you have to have the right event and you have to have this and that. And then you can possibly trick somebody into serving the Lord. Wow. I've found that when you put Jesus at the center of all of those things and he's the purpose and there's no kid that's ever walked out of, of our youth ministry and wondered uh, whose we are and what we were doing and why we were doing it. It was always been about Jesus. And and I've just found that um, what I wore wasn't as important as what I said and how yeah. I treated them. And and so I'm sure that there's some things out there that, that are drawing people uh, on style. But I've just noticed that substance, kids absolutely they relate to and they connect with and when you you look at a kid and you minister to his heart according to what the lord said that they respond and so i just i agree with you i think the authenticity is so important and um, some of the things that we've been doing and ways that we've been approaching reaching this generation uh, i feel like we've, we've been kind of we've been pushing it the mark that we have the goal that we have we may be we haven't been pushing towards the goal. Maybe we've been pushing a little bit away from the goal because we've tried to build it to look a certain way instead of to last, you know, a certain way. If you're a church out there, a youth group out there, a youth pastor out there, you don't have to have a big production. You don't have to go overboard. You don't have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars. You don't have to have a whole lot of resources. What I hear you saying is be real, be authentic, give them the word, give them Jesus. And that's what they're, they're, they're searching for that. And, and, Really, honestly, we're in a time now where kids, I think, are craving community, a place of belonging, a place of worth, a place where they can find that sense of healing. Well, I mean, I'm really interested in what you had to say about they process things differently because the way they are interacting and the way they're getting socialized is via the Internet. Um, What are the differences between how you try to reach them? We talked about... uh, authenticity and being who you are. Uh, but if they're processing things differently enough that you guys are able to pick up on it in the work that you're doing with them, how? How is it different? And then how do you have to tailor the way that you're going about this thing uh, so that you're able to to connect with people that process things so uniquely? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's positive ways that uh, the internet has affected us in negative ways, and so taking advantage of the positive ways and bringing healing to the negative ways. A, a positive way of uh, utilizing technology is is using social media as a platform to help them connect with uh, the Lord and each other. You know, capitalizing on those positive ways, but then also at the same time, social media and internet and all of this has opened a door for the access to, to pornography in, in unprecedented numbers and ways. It's opened the door to comparison uh, that kids have with other, other people, which um, they look at somebody else's life or pictures, and they desire that, and they don't have that. It's, it's led to you know a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression. And so um, those opportunities to minister to um, those negative things are, are clear, but also use... Uh, the positive ways to to reach out to, to kids and and innovation is uh, God created and so um, 
So asking the Lord every day, you know, getting on our knee, asking for wisdom and favor and anointing and just help us be innovative in order we can tap into positive ways uh, to minister to them with the way that they socially interact and also bring healing to, to the negative ways that they socially interact. Well, we've been talking about authenticity. I think it is important that we we see the positives, the negatives that, I mean, our kids are being fed so much information, but at the same time, it's not just our kids, right? I mean, this is something that adults are consuming. This is something that parents are consuming. Um, it's not uncommon to see, you know, everybody on their phone or their tablet, and, and you're kind of getting this this loss of community, I feel like. I know that we're not going to go back to the 1950s, leave it to beaver kind of days, and I get that. But at the same time, you know, it, it seems to me like we have to really be intentional for that. But let's not write that off because I do think kids want that connection. Um, they're starving for that. And, and we need to be an example in regards to that, don't you all think? I mean, just kind of share with me what you guys are seeing in regards to as far as uh, cell phones, and you alluded to depression, isolation. I mean, that is definitely coming out a lot more. Maybe social bu- uh, online bullying is a, is a, is become a, a a problem in today's society. And so, how do you address all of those issues in regards to ministry, especially given the fact that I mean, how often are you with these kids in ministry? You're not with them all the time. How do you approach that? I, I've noticed too, just in the years, how this has changed dramatically. Um, and this isn't demonizing social media or the internet or any anything like that in any way, shape, or form per se, because it can be positive. But I've noticed that kids have become uh, a whole lot more socially anxious as far as a room with a bunch of people. So many kids are socially anxious. They, they may take a one-on-one conversation or just a few of us that get together, but to come to a big room, it, it makes them just noticeably emotional and panicked. And uh, I've, I've just noticed how that's been on, on the increase. And so I think uh, apart from just those one-on-one conversations and the right kind of help and the right kind of uh, ministry to them, what we try to do is to create a place that's intentionally focused, um, not just our, myself and my wife, um, but also leaders that we have, and then create student leaderships that help us create atmospheres that are extremely engaging to anybody that's there, no matter what they're going through, what they look like, they are seen, they're not invisible. It's something we say all the time. We celebrate kids, and they can even belong before they 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 believe. You know, they can even come to a place where they have relationships and, and build. But but the needs, like like we've said before, the needs are, are still the same. Kids still crave um, that connection with, with other people. They still need it. And uh, we've seen a, a huge swell in our group of kids that have come um, from all different demographics and, and ways of life and families that they just, they just like that there's not cliques and there's not groups that they're mm-hmm. excluded from but it's inclusive. And we've seen a huge response still that um, the gospel, it still works. You know, it still is, it's timeless and, and, and kids connect with each other and they, they find the Lord uh, in some of those moments, you know, too. So it, it is consistent with what I'm seeing in the, the older uh, Gen Z students that are at, at Lee with me. Looking for authenticity, especially when it comes to worship and relationship with God and community, uh, they see right through um, 
attempts to try to woo them with peripheral cues, uh, smoke and mirrors, literally or figuratively, they want real relationships. However, they're spending they're they're spending time in an extended world that previous generations didn't have. Our social worlds were limited to the physical relationships or people in person or, or in, in contact with them in physical physical ways. The, the, our relationships were limited to that. Now, this understanding of who I am and my audience that I'm performing for has now been extended to this online audience. And I think that's what's contributing to uh, what we're hearing more uh, anxiety being reported by Gen Z and more depression because it's this constant performance. You never get a moment to walk off the social stage. It's always with you. And I think exacerbating that is the fact that many of Gen Z uh, individuals have grown up with a self-concept or they're developing a self-concept simultaneously as they are using this technology, unlike the rest of us Mm -hmm. who grew up with who we are, knowing who we are, self-concepts, and being able to separate that between our online experiences. So it's one and the same for them. It it is interesting whenever you look at it from that kind of prism of self-concept and and being able to see that. And so, um, you know, take those moments and, and, you know, if you're a parent, if you have kids this age that we're talking about, I mean, last night my daughter wanted to stay up and watch uh, season one of Boy Meets World. I don't know if you all remember that show back in the day, but she's gotten into what – I didn't want to step and watch it, to be quite honest with you. I was tired. But it, it allowed me to just enter into her world a little bit and talk. And uh, it was kind of interesting because I think Jim Abbott, the pitcher, back in the day was in that episode. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was interesting. Uh, it made me feel a little old, but – being able to enter into their world is so vitally important. I think sometimes we, we get that backwards. And I think the online experience conditioned them to be more expressive yeah. and say things that maybe as a parent or as a youth worker, you might think, well, I would never say that. I wouldn't express what I'm feeling inside. But they do. They yeah. feel comfortable sharing their innermost thoughts and feelings Many of them express them online, but they also feel comfortable enough to say it to you verbally, which mm-hmm. which can really concern a parent at yeah. first, right? And or a youth worker is like, what am I supposed to do with this information? And I think sometimes, I mean, I think if you look at that, I think that's a it's not a bad thing. Yeah, right. Sure. I think it's positive that while there might be a generation out there that might be uncomfortable with that because we're more reserved or we're not so open about what we're thinking or what's going on emotionally, I do think it's very therapeutic and helpful to be expressive uh, and not take that as a threat, right? And and, and let that uh, be an avenue for you to be able to connect with I, that group. I think as parents, though, you're right. The threat is the right word. When you hear a child or a, a young person express words like depression, anxiety, which many of them in Gen Z toss around more freely than yep. older generations, right? The rest of us. Absolutely. And it, but but as a, as an adult, you feel like I've got to take action. They just said the word anxiety. They just said depression. And it's learning to listen beyond that. And I think mm-hmm. that's a challenge for, for for people who have children or work with youth because again, they're throwing out these words yeah. that are that are buzzwords or keywords that really feel threatening. As it is like, oh, I've got to take immediate action. Yeah. And then learning, discerning, do I need to take action? Do I need to just listen? I, I think that's a challenge for adults uh, working with Gen Z. Oh, absolutely. Because you want to come to the rescue. Yeah. You know, you want to be able to help your child. And I think in regards to that, just first of all, if you have a child or 
someone in your youth group that's willing to be that open with you and that transparent to say, I'm dealing with this, that's a positive. Very true. Because you have to establish a certain sense of trust before they get to that point. I mean, they're very open and expressive, but they're not that open and expressive to everybody. You know, maybe to their friends, maybe they'll even do it online, but to be able to come to you and be able to talk about that and, and, and let them express that so that, you know, you can have that place of ministry and let let, let God help you in that, that process. Yeah. It, it is something that we have to become a student of, but at the end of the day, these are people that God made and created, and, and we can still reach past that. I will say this, being a youth pastor, you love for them to express that, but also when they're inundated with this, sometimes the expression of that is something to be ministered to, too, you know, how yeah. they express that, you know, too. Yeah. I, I guess that's maybe the best way to say that. You know, some kids, they don't know any other way or to have a conversation other than about their anxiety and fear. And, and, and depression and those things are are things that they've they've studied they've sure. felt and and uh, and they're so important you know and so real today um, but but all of those contexts and definitions you know are cues that you know we have to depend upon the Holy Spirit and and we have to study we have to spend time uh, caring for uh, caring for the sheep you know yeah. feeding the lambs you know like Jesus taught us to do. You know, I'm sure there are differences between the males and females, but I, I think the general consensus is it's it's the same. They're definitely more expressive. I think that um, the emotions, the emotional is the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that we're more demonstrative. Um, you know, they express themselves online, um, and maybe that's their way, you know, of getting getting all those feelings out. Whereas, you know, growing up, we just heard the phrase, you know, mind over matter and all of these sorts of things. You know, you kept these things kind of bottled inside. So now, you know, they are able to communicate those things. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. You know, one of the things we really do to, you know, to have, you know, young people engage in community, and it's something we didn't do growing up, but it's small groups. And I lead the freshman small group this year, and it's just um, girls, and it's just a place. It's amazing to see how they can open up in a smaller setting. They don't have all of these, you know, anxieties walking into this large room, mm-hmm. you know, from freshman to a senior, but it's just freshman girls. And it's amazing to see just the connections and the relationships they make over the course of a year, just being able to express, like, my feeling, this is what I'm going through. And, you know, another girl's like, you know, I'm going through that same thing. Um, and then, you know, maybe it's the social media that connects them from there. Hey, I'm going to look them up. You know, I'm going to yeah. follow them. And that's how they kind of make that connection. And, you know, the next week or two, they're they're showing up with a new friend. So there are definitely different ways, things maybe we didn't do, mm-hmm. you know, when we were in youth group that we do now that are great to kind of create that sense of community, you know, to create that, you know, you're not alone. Um, you can express. And, you know, sometimes we do have to minister to that expression. Um, but but there's definitely, it's definitely not necessarily, a, you know, a bad thing. I right. think um, I think it can be a really, a really good thing, something, give us a place, you know, a point of reference, you know, to minister to. This is a generation that does truly love community loves and there's there's just so much hope here and i don't think it's all doom and gloom um that you know sometimes you might often hear that the media is putting out there or you know people who aren't really connected for whatever reason that you often hear i see a lot of hope in this and in this generation and this is the future of our church and and i say that with optimism i say that now 
does the church, like you said, does, does the church look the same as it did now? Does it, but the basic message of, of Jesus Christ, uh, his love, uh, his, the Lord, uh, his word never changes. That's going to be consistent and stay the same. And I think we can talk about this with a great deal of fervor and hope because this is a community of young people that love the Lord and are, are really, really seeking um, that sense of authenticity and belonging and and has ways and avenues to make that happen. Um, perhaps a generation, you know, when I tell my kids that I grew up in a in a world where there was no internet, I mean, it's like, you know, they're like, Dad, like, how did you, you know, what? <laughs> you know, it makes me feel really old. The next question I have that's on my mind is talking about, of course, with, with Gen Z has a tendency to question large institutions, right? And they're not as trusting of those institutions as perhaps other generations have been just so trusting of them. And by natural progression, as they get older, they're going to perhaps question even their faith. How do you deal with that as in ministry and approaching that with your kids, quite frankly? Yeah, um, and, and Whitney can chime in here too, but... I think it does come back to, to authenticity, too. I think it, it really does. And, um, you know, we talk about, uh, we tell our kids all the time, you know, that you can you can question this and you can question that, but you, you can't question my testimony, you know. So we, we kind of talk about that authenticity there, what God's done in, in my life. So we really focus on what God's done in our lives on top of the, uh, the need for uh, information and, you know, revelation, you know, these types of things, you know. But but um, I think that it, it is true giving. I've noticed, let me, let me say it like this. I had a kid come in uh, many years ago in, into our youth ministry, and he had a folder. And, and I knew what he wanted to talk about, and the Lord had kind of, in prayer, I, I kind of knew. And so he opened the folder, and he started telling me all the reasons, you know, God wasn't real, you know. And so I was wanting to respond to him, and I was wanting to be really aggressive and tell him how wrong he was, but I just felt the Holy Spirit just tell me to just be quiet. So I did. I just listened to him for 45 minutes. I wrote down everything he said. He got out what he needed to get out, and then we had a youth pastor moment there, you know, with him. And of course, I would never share what I said back to him, you know, but just confidentially, you know, I, I talked about his heart and his life. And so that whole opportunity for him to, to share what had been given to him to, to, to tear down or, you know, even deconstruct in a way, um, what he had been taught. I just let him talk. Yeah. It didn't bother me. It didn't offend me. I made sure he didn't see me sweating or getting offended. I just let him talk. And once he got it out, I think some of the things that he was saying, once he got out, God did the work right there for it. You know, wow. sometimes when you say things out loud, you realize, oh, wait, you know, maybe that wasn't as uh, well thought out. And we had a great moment and we prayed right there and and uh, re- reaffirmed his faith, you know, in yeah. that moment. And so I think a lot of it is not being super offended. Mm-hmm. Um, we are frustrated at people that are easily offended by being easily offended. I think a part of it is having confidence in what we know and our own belief. If we have that confidence, um, then I think that that is contagious. I right. think that it's something that can be caught um, more so or not just taught, but also, you know, caught 
um, you know, our faith. And so I, I think I think that it's good giving them a place to share that, building a, re- a relationship with people enough to where they can feel that confidence, listening to them, mm-hmm. but not necessarily agreeing with them, and them seeing. Because sometimes they'll do those things for the reaction. They're thinking that they're going to get this horrible reaction. When they don't get that, it, it can sometimes, you know, um, cause them to question what, you know, they've been thinking about. So uh, that that may be an answer. I'm just saying some experiences, you know, that that I've had in regards to these these tough questions, you know. Yeah. And, and listen, to be honest, some of the tough questions they're asking need to be asked. Yes. And there's things that we've done for years and years and years that we've never sat and asked why we do them. Mm. And it, when we do that, genuinely and sincerely, sometimes it's not a comforting thought to think of why that came. Can I give you an example? Absolutely. Like our, our pastors, which are, are wonderful, the, the, the greatest uh, pastor, Mark Williams, Pastor Sandra K. Williams, they, they honor, and honor is a huge thing for them, and not just a certain demographic, but all demographics. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, they're so good about that. And, and culture at our church is, is about honor. Uh, one thing I've noticed in church culture that Gen Z sniffs out is that honor points up, mm. but it doesn't seem to point down very much. Yeah. And Jesus, when you look at what he honors, and the scripture tells us to honor leaders and submit to spiritual authority and absolutely all of those things. But sometimes in church, we've used that. I'm going to say it. Go for it. Sometimes we've abused that, yeah. and and we've tried to create a, a um, places where where we honor above, but we don't honor you know beneath wow. or what's behind. Really, let's think about Jesus, uh, our Lord. What he honored, he honored a widow with with mites that she gave in the offering. He said, "Hey, I'm watching her give." He honored a a delivered, restored, forgiven prostitute who brought her earnings from her old lifestyle into a a meeting of honorable, honored people. She burst into the scene, broke her alabaster box, and washed his feet with her tears and dried um, them with her hair. And Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, she is going to be remembered. He honored Mm -hmm. things that sometimes we, we don't take time to honor to, you know? And yeah. so I, I just think some, sometimes the questions that they're asking, we should listen to yeah. and answer, like literally come up with an answer because when you do that, you do that together. And then you have gained, uh, not, not our disciples, but you've gained um, influence, mm-hmm. you know, with them. And ultimately, you know, you, when you have influence and you can, you can disciple, you know, through that, through that avenue. So they are, they're more expressive. Um, and they are more apt to question. And, you know, questions aren't always bad. Um, it does. It drives us to a place and drives us to a place of um, into the word of God to, to seek the Lord for how do I respond to this person? You know, each of our kids are so different. Not one is the same. So the way that we respond to each kid is different, but it does. It drives us to a deeper prayer life. Dad, how do I respond to these questions? Um, God, lead me um, what you want me to share in the Word of God, because that's where it comes to. It all comes. The answer is in the Word of God. So God, lead me. Um, lead me to respond. Lead me to respond in the right in the right way. And even with our own kids, our oldest, is she questions everything. But one thing she never questions is her experience with the Lord, because you can, once you've experienced and encountered the Lord, you do not 
question your faith. Um, mm-hmm. You have questions. You used to have questions, but deep down inside of you, when you've encountered the Lord, so maybe that's where we try and draw them to. We want to create a place where you can encounter and meet the Lord, because when you encounter and meet the Lord, um, you know, youth begin to question the Lord of the yeah. Lord, just like Habakkuk, you know, God, why, why are you doing this to my people? Why are you, you know, that's kind of where it leads. So I guess for me, it's just, you know, leading them to, to that encounter and that experience with the Lord. One thing we always try to talk about is how do you keep a balanced life? Because ministry can be all-consuming if you allow it to be. Um, it can be 24-7, um, on-call pastor all the time, and, and it can completely wreck uh, a marriage, uh, any other relationships outside of that. Uh, we have, I don't know if I should say this or not, but I think we've glorified within the church to a certain extent unspoken workaholism. How do you all maintain that, that healthy balance so that you can ensure that your home life is what it needs to be. I started in full-time ministry before I was married, and then I got married, and then I learned to be married. And, uh, you know, I was ambitious and wanted to reach every person I could for the Lord, which means I was doing everything I could at all times. And it was some, some really nice conversations with my wife that took a while, maybe years, to sink in. Um that my first ministry was to my to my family. Yeah. Now, that's not an excuse to leave out the work of the Lord. I think a saying that we always say is there's room in our family for more. Mm-hmm. So the activities that we do as a family, you'll see kids tagging along uh, over the years all the time, you know, uh, with us. And so just they're as close with our kids as, as uh, cousins are, you know. Yeah. And so they're so so involved in their lives, you know, and so that, that that's a huge part is to, I know that, that there is a difference between family and church, but we try to make sure that um, maybe that's not as huge a gap yeah. as, as we should make it, you know, maybe they're more intertwined and interconnected, and, uh, you know, I want my kids to love ministry, too, mm. you know, I don't want them to hear us coming home and talking about frustrations and difficulties and all of that because that will taint them and this this is this is something for us to pray about as pastors leaders parents it's it's so 14 15 16 17 even 19 or 20 years old um, I know that they they're older and, and they're processing things a little bit quicker emotionally and things as they get older um, but most of the time, Teenagers, a lot of them, they're they're kind of regurgitating a lot of the things that they hear from their parents, and so they hear good things from us, you know. Yeah. And if there's a moment where um, we get frustrated, then we we make sure they know that we made a mistake. We go to them and and use those as teachable moments, you know. But 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 I just I just think the uh, making sure that the church is a part of our family and our family is a part of the church, yeah. you know, is a is a balance that's worked for us, you know. Absolutely. Working for us, I should say. It didn't always work, you know, but uh, Whitney's, uh, she's uh, done a great job trying to <laughs> shape and mold me, I think. You know, I think I've, I've come a long way uh, learning learning that because it's a hard lesson to learn, and sometimes yeah. it's a painful lesson to learn. Speaking of that, do you find it challenging having three children who are involved in your church 
who may be a part of your youth ministry, where do you separate, uh, you know, family and, okay, this is a youth event or is this an activity for our family or is it both? Uh, is, is that a challenge? It's, my, our kids are getting older too. And as, as uh, Raymond said earlier, you know, there's so many things as they get older they're active in. Uh, one thing that I've done to make sure that we don't miss out on our kids, our family at the church, is to find people that can help with that duplicate yourself, you know, in a sense. And, and, uh, if I can't be at your game, uh, well, you know, I've, I've worked really hard with this leader or these leaders and, and they'll be there, you know? Yeah. And so, so that, that's helpful in, in being an extension of, of, uh, of you. But as far as my daughter is in seventh grade, and even though I'm the high school pastor, we do do a lot of stuff with the middle school. I am constantly asking her <laughs> if that's okay. I I really am. And I do hear the Lord's voice and I want to do that, but I'm also listening to her voice. And, uh, and, and so far so good, you know, but there's ever a moment where it is detrimental to her or to, I have three daughters to, to them for their dad. Um, I'm, I'm going to look into that, you know, I'm going to be prayerful about that and not just continue to plow and, and go because, um, I want them to love the church. I want them to want to be there. I want them to to, to know I can be their dad and, and 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 pastor at home, and I don't necessarily need to be. You, you know, I'm yeah. just saying. I'm just I'm just keeping my finger on her pulse a little bit, not in an unhealthy way to where she gets mad and you know and wants this or that. I'm just just uh, just in a healthy way. The fact that you guys work together as a team is so refreshing to see, and um, it's always a work in progress. Right, we're human beings. Uh, there was only one person that was perfect. His name was Jesus, and so I, I, I love that you guys do that. And uh, I want to say thank you so much to both of you guys for, for being you. here. It's such an honor to have you all. Um, our family has been impacted by your ministry. Love you. We love you all so much. Thanks for being with thank us. Thank you for letting thank us you come. So for much. Sure. And so, well, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to be with Raymond's recap right after this. You've been listening to Pastoring on Purpose, a podcast of the Center for Ministerial Care. We talk with pastors, church staff, and mental health professionals about what it's really like to lead and serve a congregation. From pastoral burnout to boundaries, the pressing issues of leadership to the pertinent little details that help a body progress, we're here to help you be a healthier leader, pastor, and person. Uh, welcome back to the, the section of the show uh, where it is Raymond's recap. And Raymond, give us a recap of what you have taken from this episode for our listeners. For my recap, I just want to say how valuable what the two of you do is. Um, you know, I always kind of had uh, youth ministers when I was a, a PK, and they were kind of a nuisance for me. Uh, but when you grow up, and you mature, and you have children of your own, and they are in that age, and you see them struggling with so many things, um, you start to appreciate the role that those guys have and those people have, because what you do is kind of, you're able to have inroads with our children Mm. that we don't have. You're able to see them when they're apart from us and, and be a part of the way they function out there, um, you know, I used to do counseling uh, in, in an office. People would bring me kids, and it was always here. Here's our kids, you know, fix our kids. 
and you could play paper football with the kids and, and have fun, and, and, and they would talk to you about things. Their parents never got that. Y'all are in a similar kind of a place where you're able to break through some of that facade. You're not just an extension of parents, uh, and that's very, very valuable, not just for spreading the gospel, but for being a connection that they have, a tether uh, to kind of keep them based. And I appreciate it. Well, once again, I want to thank you for for listening. Thank you to uh, Cameron and Whitney uh, for being with us at North Cleveland. Is there, y'all have Twitter or anything like that? Anybody can? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm uh, I, Cam Jones on Twitter, J. Cam Jones on Instagram and uh, Facebook. We're both on Facebook, Cam and Whitney Jones on there. Sure. Awesome. Awesome. You can find me at Praying Manus on Twitter and uh, T Manus at churchofguy.org. So follow this, uh, follow our, our, our podcast. Uh, be sure to follow our Facebook page, Twitter, um, any follow other social Jesus. media. Follow Jesus first and foremost. I think that is more important, obviously. Um, but we look to, to see you next time on Pastoring on Purpose. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to Pastoring on Purpose. Join us next time as we continue our purposeful progress to becoming better pastors and people. 